Hello and welcome to the Rigori Podcast, the show that's as cool and refreshing as a post-match pint with Venezia striker Joel Poyanpalo, more of whom later. I'm Giancarlo Rinaldi, the man dreaming of a Fiorentina trophy this season, and I'm joined by a Venetian with Serie A on his mind, my cousin Marco. Marco, how are you? I'm good. I, I thought this was the Joel Poyampalo episode. I thought this was the whole episode we were going to Well, I mean, it, it will become that. <laughs> it will become that. But I don't want to, you know, I don't want to put off anyone who's not into Finnish strikers with Serie B sides. I don't want to put them off that. But that's sort of keeping that as the kind of sting in the tail, the special bit that keeps people hanging on because we'll get the other rubbish out of the way yeah, first. Yeah, I suppose we can speak about Serie A for a couple of minutes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, we're recording a wee bit earlier um, this week, the thrills and spills of uh, Lecce against Verona, one shot on target as we speak. Um, although a big a big battle, to be fair, in the, in the relegation um, the relegation matters of Serie A with, with um, obviously Verona kind of if, if they could win that game then they would drag Lecce right down into the mire but um, as I say we're, we're taking the opportunity to go a little bit earlier and first of all because we weren't able to last week due to meddling bull idea um, spoiling Napoli's party just to pay a bit of tribute to to Napoli today. I mean, unfortunately for me, it meant a victory over Fiorentina um, with two penalties given just because the first one wasn't converted. They made sure of the of the party continuing in in Naples. But I mean, that although sour grapes of a, a Fiorentina fan aside, a, a truly deserved title. I agree. Today's performance was neither here nor there. It was more of it, it did have the feel of a. Uh, I, I, I sort of build it as the battle of who could care less because, I mean, Napoli had the title in the bag, Fiorentina already mines on um, Europa Conference League midweek with, with little chance of doing much in Serie A, unless, of course, you know, the the European football authorities want to intervene and throw Juventus out of competition next year, in which case eighth place in Serie A might become might become vital. But you know, it was they were very changed sides. There was a, obviously a party atmosphere in in Naples, inside and outside the ground, and and just really, I mean, a quick Rigori podcast tribute really to Napoli and how how good they've been this season, Marco. Yeah, they they, they have thoroughly deserved the title, and arguably. They've been a team. There, there hasn't been a team in many years that have deserved the title as much as Napoli have this season. Um, you know, everyone, including myself, probably thought it would be a, a transitional season at best for them after after the loss of the players that they had. But it turned out that they they uncovered some gems, and also these players they brought in also managed to get the best out of Aussie men. Players like Lobotka really stepped up. Di Lorenzo. Um, from back to front, they've been sensational. Really discovered some amazing players in the likes of Gradischkelia. Um, <clears throat> I don't want to take any shine off Napoli's party, but they definitely have sort of tired in the past month or so, uh, and the results reflect that. Given the pace and the way they play, it perhaps isn't surprising. And also, I feel, as I mentioned last week, that there is a bit of a, or there was a bit of pressure. 
building on them to to sort of seal the Scudetto and given that none of them had ever won a, a league you know in the big five before so um yeah like I say thoroughly deserved most deserved Scudetto that I can remember in a long time really and I really hope that they manage to hang on to their players so that we can see what this team can become because I think they could really be something special yeah I mean I think De Laurentiis has said None of the big names will be going anywhere, and he has, he has, he's one of the few, um, Serie A chairman of, of certainly of smaller clubs that's been able to deliver on that promise and keep hold of the the players that he wants to kind of build on it. So I'm saying, you know, that in next season it's the Champions League now. Whether, you know, the draw had fallen so nicely for them this time around, but the the two, the two challenges was just too much. I think, as you say, they they hit bad form at the wrong time for for that competition and that's not taking anything away from from Milan's progress in that but you know I think Napoli in their pomp would have swept Milan aside you know Rafael Leal permitting I think you know they, they would have um, at, at their top game I think Napoli's far and away the best side in Italy and would have would have gone through but he's shown that he's you know, De Laurentiis has shown that he's been able to hold on to the big names. So, you know, maybe that is. In the end, it might be a case. Well, often with these things, it's like you you choose the one you you least um, fear losing. I guess you know, and and you take one of those stars, and you say, well, okay, we'll take the we'll take the big money from it. And what's good from a Napoli point of view is that you know this Scudetto showed that their scouting network. Their player spotting is top notch, and you know that even if they do have to give up one of their stars, um, they, they hopefully can can carry on. And I think, from a Rigori podcast point of view, it's big deal that it was Napoli to win the Scudetto because that thirty three years so long since the title's gone outside of of Milan or Turin, and that that can only be a good thing, I think, for the. The marketability of Serie A for for the interest for fans in Italy as well. If it's the same, you know, obviously if you're a Juventus fan or Milan or Inter or whatever, you know, if you and you're on a prolonged period of success, you probably don't give two hoots about the competitiveness of the league. But from our point of view, as say as outsiders to that kind of glorious procession looking in I think that's what's been refreshing about it is just a new name new faces picking up that picking up that title absolutely yeah no um it is it is good for the league I think that they've they've stepped up like this and it'll be interesting to see of course the response next season um from from the other clubs as well so I I think yeah they've been sensational and it only sets up a, a an even better prospect next year I think as as everyone else tries to catch up now in in that in that catch-up position on unfamiliar for them as it is Juventus who have started after I mean I was joking with a Meta Juve fan through the week and uh, and and I was saying you know since you got the 15 points back you've been terrible I mean they've been terrible before that in terms of Watching in terms of the kind of the visual experience, but they were winning a lot of games when they got the points deducted. But as soon as they got them back, they went on their worst losing run of of the season. But they did get things back on track recently and and um, managed to see off Atalanta, which kind of I suppose there were a lot of kind of top end of the table 
clashes this week, and that that was one of them. And I guess that you know it's pushed Juve up into second place, and it also kind of consigned Atalanta to probably what will be the last um, European place in Serie A. But there was. Yet another unsavoury moment of Serie A in a a season where we seem to, you know, it's it's one step forward in terms of marketing Serie A, and then it's and then it's two steps backward. And and Dusan Vlaovic, the latest player to be singled out by jibes from the from the crowd, he reacted at the end when he scored, which is you know that's two games in a row, which big boost for him after a long period without scoring a goal and. Responded in the style of uh, of Romelu Lukaku, who's going to tell them to shut up, and it looked like he got the yellow card. And you know, it's it just what what message is what message is that sending out, Marco from from Serie A to to players? Yeah, it, it's obviously the wrong message. Um, it, it's been years since this should have been stamped out, and unfortunately, it continues on. Um, I saw Gasparri. It, it's not helped by comments like Gasparini's after the game who tried to make some sort of distinction between insults and racism even though you know the insults against Vlaovic are based on ethnicity so there isn't a difference um, and yeah it, it's so frustrating Juve got punished for that um, the, the, the chanting against Lukaku only for it to be overturned because of some farcical red tape and yeah, it, it's a side to Italian football that is still there. It is a minor, minority, but it's a sizable minority, and it continues on. And until they're properly punished, and I don't even think like closing a curva for a week or two is enough punishment. Um, it's going to continue on, and it, it's it's a sad thing when everything else in Serie A is arguably on the up that that this still continues. Yeah, I, I think the the Gasparini thing, I think it's an unfortunate thing, and it happens everywhere, but particularly in Italy, is that sort of the, the, the kind of the the what about thing as well that they do, where they'll say, well, you know, they did it here, and we, and it's not. I, I just wish somebody had the guts to face up and say, yeah, it is disgusting. You know, I'm yeah. I'm sick of hearing our fans chanting this, um, you know, gypsy chants or whatever it is they reserve for kind of players from the Balkans. And, and you know, it's just, it's, it's pathetic. And, you know, it would take, I think it takes every club in itself to stand up and say, you know, we're just not having, we don't want these kind of idiots in the ground it, it's a difficult relationship which it's hard to get into in a in a 20 minute or so podcast but there's definitely a difficult relationship there that we're seeing in Naples funnily enough even in this great season you know there is an uneasy kind of truce because they're winning um, but you know a lot of the hardcore Napoli fans don't really like De Laurentiis because he's trying to kind of Modernised, trying to move towards a more British model, and I, I don't know. You know, there's some things that are a bit baby and bathwater because I saw that Fiorentina fans actually the ultras boycotted the game today because there's a lot of measures to stop fans taking flags into ground to stop. You know what has been the kind of the natural expression of fans, but then there are other elements where you think, well, maybe you know the ultras did have too much power yeah. they did have too much say so you know that that's at the heart of this as well but as i say it takes i think uh clubs individually to stand up and say look you know just we've got a problem you know and i don't care maybe others do as well but it takes a 
teams to say, you know, we've got this problem here, we're going to do something about it. And until they do that, you know, for all the excuses you come up with, as I say, because it used to be, I can still remember when Mario Balotelli used to get it and it was always just, oh, he brings it on himself, yeah. you know, it's nothing to do with the colour of his skin. But it had everything to do and with the colour of his skin. Keen, but he brought it yeah. on himself as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, amazing the coincidence yeah. that it's all these black players that bring it on themselves. You yeah. know, how, how, how amazing is that? You know, it just... Uh, ludicrous argument and as I say the sooner they stamp it out the, the better but I mean well well done to to Juve today for getting themselves into that and sets them up nicely for their, their European game but casting a wee eye forward to Europe it was a good warm up for both uh, Milan and Inter although you know, I, I don't know the latest seems to be that Rafael Leao who kind of limped off with an injury might well be fit for, for Tuesday's game but I mean who do you think, Marco, a, a special word for Teo Hernandez and his yeah. ridiculous haircut and amazing goal <laughs> today as well, coast to coast. They love using that term yeah. in, in Italian. I don't even think, don't think I use it in English. But anyway, you know, lovely goal um, up the pitch, scored the goal. But who, who goes into it in the, in the better form, do you think, Marco? It's a difficult one because they're both in my eyes, really improved in in recent weeks. And I think they both have their confidence pretty high now. I would probably just give the edge to Inter, surprisingly, because I just feel that they seem to... You know, I think they've got the confidence with the cup as well and, and things like that. But I, I just think that they will feel that more confident in going forward with that. But I think it's very, very close because they have both improved a lot. I think it... I just hope from a neutral's perspective and a fan of Serie A that it is a cracking two-legged tie and not like two nil-nils followed by penalties. Yeah, yeah or, or uh, yeah, or with, uh, things being thrown yes. on the pitch uh-huh. and the, yeah. the match ending in, in disarray, which is always a concern when, you know, it's bad enough when two Italian teams meet one another, but when it's a City derby, um, you want it to be a, a good advert for for Italian football. I mean, I'm, I'm inclined to see the same as yourself, that I, I lean towards Inter being slightly the better form. But having said all of that, you know, Pioli did do a, a, a great job on on Napoli, perhaps not, as I've said, the, you know, the most informed Napoli of the season, but nonetheless did a great job knocking yeah. it in. Nobody can doubt Milan's pedigree in Europe no. is far and away the greatest of all the all the Italian teams. But yeah, I hope it's just a, a good, good game really between those two teams. And, and ideally, if Milan could injure, not, you know, badly, but, you know, just enough to knock them out of the Italian Cup final, a few Inter players, then that would be much appreciated as well. So I'll be sending a few text messages to you know Teo Hernandez and Benacer <laughs> and any any other Sally Mackers to put in a few enforcers on the on the Inter team so that the so that they arrive absolutely shattered. You know, ah, extra time that would be fine. Yeah, I mean if they could have extra time in the uh, penalties and that to decide it, that would be that would be absolutely cracking. But in all seriousness, I, I think we know on this podcast we wish Italian teams all the best. And it's been a great season. 
obviously going to get one in the Champions League final, we hope, maybe more in, in, in the Europa League and the Conference League as well, fingers crossed. So, you know, it's been a great it's been a great season for them. So, you know, it should be, as I say, if it's a good advert for Serie A, that would be that would be great. But enough enough of this Serie A chat that people don't want to hear. People want to know What's been going on in Serie B? And Finally. you know, we salute we saluted the we saluted the champions there um, and in Serie A and in Serie B, well, the two automatic promotion places have been decided. And I think I don't think again there's much debate. The two best teams in the division are are coming up: Frosinone and Genoa, Fabio Grosso and one of our heroes, the violin. Playing goal scorer Alberto Gilardino. He, I mean, his his story is the more interesting. In a way, Frosinone were good from day yeah. one, pretty much. Whereas Genoa, he came in and they, they, you know they were good ish, but they, I don't think they were going to get an automatic promotion place. But he's done a really good job with them. But I mean, you watch more Serie B than I do, Marco. The, the two best teams in the division. Yeah, definitely for me, uh, they were a sort of step above everyone else, especially, as you say, since Giardino came in. And I'm, I'll be interested in, you know, as as you've mentioned, we're, we've always been fans of, of Giardino, even though he's sometimes maligned as a player. But um, I'll, I'll be interested to see how he does next season because that some managers seem to be very good at being Serie B specialists and then fail miserably when, when they get promoted. So... I suppose it will depend on the on the sort of team that Genoa can build him because I think there's no doubt that even you know Frosinone have led the league for most of the season. Genoa have, have, have caught them up, but um, even these teams are going to need uh, quite an injection of new players to have a chance next season. I suspect so um, it'll be interesting. But they were definitely the better, the best teams in the league and deservedly promoted, and it makes for an interesting battle below them for the for the playoffs, spots. It, it certainly it certainly does. I mean, it, it, quickly to sort of sum it up for people that they there's six. Promo- I mean, everyone I think in Serie B still has something to fight <laughs> yeah, for. Well, you know, true, these teams yeah. are obviously promoted, but if you look down the table, at least theoretically, everybody's got a hope of either a promotion playoff place or or of you know. The unfortunate prospect of the players. I think Barry, Parma, Cagliari, and amazingly Sud Tirol are all guaranteed their playoff yep. place. Which you know, I mean that the Sud Tirol story we've discussed it before. But they, I mean, they you know you're looking at Barry, Parma, Cagliari. These are all teams that we expect in Serie A or you know floating at the top of Serie B, coming up and down. And teams with um, you know you know I mean yep. the, the Cagliari title winners as well. So you know they're all in their Sud Tirol. Definitely been the surprise package. Then beneath that, of course, we've got the story that everyone's eyes have been on. Can Venezia sneak in at the last minute? Now, I did some stat study here of the form lines of mm-hmm. the teams that are in the hunt, and you'll be sad, glad, I don't know, to know that Venezia are the form team. You probably knew this anyway, yeah. but you know, of the last six games, Venezia's second top form side in the league. You've got Regina, their sixth, Basquale, seventh, but then the teams above them, Palermo and Pisa, are in among some of the worst form of the, the season. So, well, quickly, Marco, run us through how things went at the weekend. Something of a special goal to describe, which we've set aside, 
you know, <laughs> try to keep it to well, ten minute, no, no, ten minute you're, description you're of the goal. Last weekend, but remember, we hadn't played last podcast. Oh, that's true. Oh, sorry. We yes, more of course. Five nil, and of course, because I was, scored four. Yeah, of course, of course, he did. Because I was thinking. What a pod that would have been, because Fiorentina had won five 0 that exactly, weekend as yeah. well. I mean, so that was like that was like the spontaneous combustion <laughs> podcast. If we'd done that, we, we'd, there would never have been another Rigori podcast. If we'd done it after a weekend, five nil wins for Fiorentina and Venezia. But yeah, of course, I'm forgetting Poyan Paolo shot himself to the top of the goal scorers chart yeah. and then delivered another. Yeah, absolute beauty. Well, this I weekend. mean, so against Modena, who, to be fair, were were a decent team, but we once we got the first goal, we just sort of blew them apart. And Poyan Pal, what he's showing is that he is a striker that can finish in so many different ways. Against Modena, he did a, he had a tap in after a lovely move that cut them to pieces. He had a, a shot, a good shot that went in. He had a chip over the goalkeeper and he scored a penalty. And um, yesterday against Cosenza. He scored the most incredible header. It, it, it was a, it was one of these goals that you know if you don't have that striker there, it's not even a chance. But he somehow contorted himself to he, flick a header over his head and into the far post. Um, it, it was the only way. It was a lovely delivery. It I have was. To say yeah, that yeah. The ball had a lot of nice whip and curl on it. But you're right. There was only one way um, to put that ball in the net, and and he. He found it, and there was only a tiny slice of goal that you know. And even the the goalkeeper looked incredulous yeah. after after that. I mean, a shame that it didn't deliver the victory. But from what I you know, I watched a fair slice of that game. It did look quite balanced. It did look quite warm as well, which I think it was played at quite a slow tempo. And I and I, and I guess that Vanoli would be a bit disappointed that he wasn't able to kind of kill off that game having you know a, a beautiful goal like that deserved to to win a game but still it keeps up that run you know the way the other results went it keeps the prospect well, of a of a playoff place right open yeah i mean the good news is that after brace has lost to parma today is that venezia are officially safe so um that is the main the main thing but yeah it would have been great to win against cosenza yesterday and looking at the league positions you you would say probably we should have won, but as you say, on the balance of play, I think a draw was a fair result because since I had some good chances, we really didn't turn up in the second half. I don't know if it was the heat and tiredness and stuff, but we kind of sat back a bit too much and they got the goal towards the end of the game, which was frustrating, but I, I couldn't really complain about it too much. Um, we've got two games left. We've got a game against Perugia, who are in terrible form and looking to be relegated. So they will have something to fight for, obviously, which will make it difficult. But if we can win that, then it's a game against Parma, who already have their playoff spot secured. If I think if we can get four points, then we have a very good chance of being in the playoffs at the end of the season, um, which is incredible for those that have listened to this podcast for most of the season for me to be even saying that. But um, I didn't expect it, but we have turned. I think you know, Poi and Palo has turned out to be a bit of a revelation, but also Vanoli's settled on a team that that plays together well. The improvement of players like Tesman in the midfield, um, and and the players that we brought in January, Ellertson and and stuff have, have fitted in well, uh, and it just has made us. A, it is frustrating in a way because this is the Venezia that 
we were all hoping we were going to get at the start of the season and be fighting. You know, we should have secured the playoff places, if not fighting for automatic promotion. So I just hope that playoffs or no playoffs, we don't destroy the team again. Poyan Pablo is the only player that lives in Venice um, because he loves the city so much. And I hope that that means that he will not be tempted away because to me, he is actually a, a good striker. He could easily go to one of the sort of mid-table Serie A sides and do a, do a decent job. But hopefully he'll want to stay in, in San Paulo and, and, and continue to drink beers with the fans. Yeah, he seems to love it. That's the thing is, he seems to love it. And also, I think the other thing that plays in your favour a bit is that he's long-ish in the tooth as well. So it's not he's not in the first flush of no, youth yeah. of his career. And so, yeah, uh, yes, you know, Money could could turn his head. Obviously, you know nobody could blame him for that. If somebody did come in with a big money deal, but I think it feels like there are other factors. I mean, I, I think does he not come to Venice to, to be best man at somebody's mm. wedding or something? Is that not the story? So you know, there's, there's that little Finnish community there as well. So you know, there's there's other elements outside the football. I mean, he seems to like a lot of the elements outside yeah, the football exactly, yeah. as well and so you know that I think it's like it reminds me a bit of when uh, Borja Valero ended up in Florence mm. and although I mean he did go to Inter but he came back um, you know you find a, a city or a club that you that fits you well and you fit it well and you know he definitely does and watching them at the weekend you know it just it confirmed to me that they, they've got a good team spirit mm. about them now there's a good unit they've got a clear game plan they play to that they've got a big big strength in in him yeah um you know and and it's all clicked at, at the right time so you know as you see perugia uh, well you're not going to meet any you hardly meet any teams that haven't got something to play for at yeah, the end of the season right. so you know that's that's the nature of serie b so it, it will be that but you know all things being equal you should um, be strong enough to beat them, and then that sets up. It, it's going to be one way or another. Venezia may not be involved, and that would be a shame for us, for the podcast, <laughs> and for you. But you know, one way or another, it's going to be a big, big final couple of rounds in Serie B. Oh yeah, we'll definitely. Be, and we'll be here um, following it every every step of the way. Yes, indeed. And I mean that really that brings us to a nice a nice end I think for the, for the pod this week. Um, obviously, big European week ahead, and we'll be looking back on that next week, and we'll have all the all the updates and the and the joy or tears of um, Venezia's playoff <laughs> push, and and you know more goals for Puyan Palo as well. But please, as always, share, like, let your let your friends know, post it on your. Facebook and any other um, social media you've got and uh, we'll be back in a, in a week's time for, for more fun and games from Serie A and Serie B See you then